0: Dogs or cats for you? Cats. Who oh. have a cat?
1: Yes. What's the cat's name? <laughs> uh, it is Luxie.
0: Okay, Luxie's cute. You've passed, you've done quite well. Thank you for coming. Welcome back to the Futures Edge podcast. I'm Jim Urio. As always, we have Bob Iacino, who's the brains behind the operation, and co-host and executive producer. And today's a special show. We have Tracy Shukart, Chief Energy and Materials Strategist for Highland, sorry, high t- let's do that whole thing over again we have tracy <laughs> shoe chief- by the way they won't edit even that they won't I'm edit like, that it's We gonna stay don't exactly care, like that. right
1: okay high tower i'm on my own now i,
0: I know yeah I, I know it's right in front of me and i knew it anyway we have tracy Schuhkart, chief energy and material strategist for high tower resource advisors thank you for coming tracy
1: thank you guys it's been a awesome. <laughs> well, okay. well, long windows time
2: you? you're sitting in a high tower which is nice I have a fake background. Uh,
0: I thought you had a fake background. <laughs> okay, good, because <laughs> it moved us. I was just like, wow, that's so cool. But then it moved, like you moved it and it didn't follow. So I thought it was fake. But anyway, it's good. So anyway, at the beginning of the show, we play the lightning round just to establish credibility, break the ice. You will be asked five random questions that I don't even know what they're going to be. You have five seconds to answer and you will be judged harshly on any bad answers. There's no, yeah, okay. So let's go. First of all, favorite movie.
1: Favorite movie? Um Poltergeist.
0: You never thought about this before ever. Wow. Poltergeist. <laughs> Poltergeist, interesting. Okay, no one said that before. Favorite actor or actress?
1: Um, I don't these are hard. I don't really watch that. You
0: thought it was gonna be okay, fine. We'll switch that question. You get that's your okay. You've lived in several places as I've followed you on Twitter. I'm not gonna ask you what's your favorite place. What I'm gonna say, ask is what month in what place is the best combination of any place you've ever lived?
1: Um, I would say Chicago for sure in two thousand eight and, um August. August, okay, August. Will help me. I thought you were gonna go with September,
0: Bobby. Didn't you think September is what it was?
2: Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be September, but I knew it was going to be old Chicago, not current Chicago.
0: Current Chicago is a little different. I still like different. it, but now it's an acquired taste, and you might have to mm-hmm. dodge a bullet here and there. Dogs or cats for you?
1: Cats. Oh. Do you have a cat? Yes.
0: What's the cat's name? <laughs> it is Luxie. Okay, Luxie's cute. You've passed. You've done quite well. Thank you for coming. Do you have <laughs> any questions for us before we start? <laughs> As you, Learned as you can tell, it might be one of the least serious podcasts you've ever been on, but we do get to um, two important things. And having you on, who's someone I look, I always think it's funny, by the way, that my three go to's in crude oil, besides Bob, are you, Halima and Bryn. I think it's pretty cool as the dad of daughters that it's three women. And I'm not trying to be some bullshit feminist, whatever, because I know we don't give a shit about gender, but I think it's neat. Um, you just call I don't be a woman, by the way. No, you well, you're just effeminate, but whatever. I like you either way. <laughs> you have to be overcompensating for something with the tattoos and the transants. Okay, so here, here, I don't want this to devolve in like the bashing the current administration on energy policy. And if you guys know me, that's a complete lie. I absolutely want it to devolve in bashing the current <laughs> current administration's energy policy. But let's start with just last week. We've had him just threaten to put out of, um, Put out a commission every coal plant and replace them with a, a team of elves who are going to shuffle their socks on shag carpet and try to get enough static electricity to power people's houses. And then at a, a, a environmentalist speech, he said, "No new drilling." Is he? Does he know what he's doing with these things, Tracy?
1: Absolutely not. I think this is the most energy illiterate administration possible. And it's not just him, it's Granholm too, who's just head of um, the EIA. Uh, it's the entire administration. And, and the thing is, is that what the US is trying to do is mimic what Europe has been doing for the last 10 years. And that's going down this energy transition policy without having a backup, right? Yeah. And so, and we see exactly the disaster that it's having and forget, forget the Ukraine war at this point, just pretend that doesn't exist. Their problem started long before that. Certainly that exacerbated the situation. But if we look back as early as September of 2021, we started seeing, smelters having to shut down because natural gas prices were too high. In fact, by the end of 2021, which was, again, before the Ukraine invasion, almost 50% of their smelting capacity was offline because it was too expensive. And people kind of forget this because all the, the, the whole focus has been on the Ukraine invasion, which, again, yes, it exacerbated the problem, but the problem existed well, well before that.
0: What's the answer? Is the uh, answer nuclear like everyone else is saying?
1: I mean, I think nuclear is great. You're gonna have a hard pressed problem trying to convince the West to go nuclear. Yes, they'll, you know, we have seen Germany, for example, um, say that we're gonna not shut down, uh, you know, the last three nuclear plants until uh, March, but I, I would expect them to keep pushing that out because as soon as we get to 2023, we're going to have a huge nat gas problem, and that's a whole different issue. But you know, if we look at if we look at nuclear in particular, you have to you know the Fukushima, Chernobyl, every that, that like spooked the West off nuclear. And yet, you know, yes, I think that's great, but we also have to think about all of our facilities here are aging. They're all twenty to fifty years old, and so if you want to bring on new projects, whether it's in Europe or in the United States, that's going to take a that's going to take ten years at least, at least to get these projects on board. So, yes, I think that's a great solution, but it's not a solution for right this second.
0: So, there's been a lot of press about the diesel shortage and you know, some make it oh, 25 days of diesel supply, which is down from normally 40 days. It doesn't, to me, I've read several different things. It seems bad, but not the end of the world. Can you walk us through that problem and tell me if you agree?
1: So, I mean, if we look at the diesel shortage and it's not only a problem, it's, it's majorly a problem in the US Northeast, right? And that is uh, a result of the fact that we have the, oh, only the Colonial Pipeline going up there, right? And it stops at New Jersey. That leaves the rest of everybody else kind of screwed. <laughs> um, we also had PES refinery shut down, which was 335,000 barrels a day in Pennsylvania a-, a couple years ago. And so we have no refining capacity up there and we have no pipelines up there and we have Environmentalists not wanting any more pipelines or anything like that. We also have a problem with the Jones Act, which the Jones Act specifies that you can only have U.S. vessels coming to, you know, uh, transporting or transporting nat gas or oil products in general um, to to the U.S., which is. What we need to do because Colonial only has a certain amount of capacity, so generally we take ships from the Gulf, we bring them up to the United States, and initially when that's um, that's a 1920s law, (laughs) and it came. What
0: what was it for? Why did they? Why did it come about?
1: National oil security at the time, and that was right around World War One, right, and so. It, was it it was a national oil security time, but at that time we had twenty five hundred vessels in the US that were flagged in the US that could bring or you know, products whatever up to the east coast. We have one hundred vessels now. <laughs> so oh geez. That's wow. a problem. That's a huge so, problem. So, and so do you think, what they you what want- they could sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. I want you you go.
1: What what they could do is they don't have to if if people are focused on the national security issue, that's fine. But what they could do is just have a waiver, right, for a certain amount of months until um we get this situation under control. But
0: so one that, one more question from me and then I'll move it over to Bob. When but, you think like you say a waiver, and again, Jones Act is point to point, US point to US point. It, it has to be US flagship. Is that correct? Okay. So, and you said they could have a waiver. It seems like it's so simple. It seems like everybody would, would vote for that. It almost, to me, we always argue in the show about incompetence versus nefarious. It almost, or just not giving a shit. Which one is it?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a combination of both because it's a very simple solution. Yeah, it's not a long-term solution, but it is an immediate solution. And so um, immediate's not so bad. The problem is this administration is still not talking about this. And it's not like they haven't done this in the past. They did this for Puerto Rico after the hurricane. They did this, you know, it's not like they haven't issued waivers in the past before they have. And so the fact that this administration is still not talking about this or still not bringing this up, that's a problem.
0: Bobby?
2: Tracy, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. (laughs) So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot about I could almost that. just stop right there. I literally Let don't even have to. The
0: strategic petroleum reserve.
2: Jimmy always Jimmy always complains that my questions are more like lectures that end with a fake question. I'll so take just, two naps
0: during his question.
2: <laughs> I'm just going to ask you your opinion of these sales based on the fact that the the SPR is created for uh, emergencies when there are critical undersupply of crude oil, whether deliberate or because of natural disaster. And some people argue that that basically is, uh, it's always been, it's in the the, uh, actual documentation of of the SPR Act, that it is basically to keep prices lower. And that's what this administration is doing by releasing oil from the SPR. I don't agree with that, but what's your take on it?
1: Well, I think I've been pretty vocal about this. Yeah, you
0: have. <laughs> <That's my
1: answer.
0: laughs> Be again.
1: <laughs> but, again, it's for it's for emergency purposes. And, you know, we're, you know, we've drained it from over 750 million barrels to, I think the last count was 392 million barrels. You know, that's that's almost half, right? It's, it's been, it's the lowest since 1984. <laughs> so- uh, the purpose of this is, if say we have a, a hurricane like Katrina, when we had when Katrina happened, we had to dig out of the SPR to go help supply that area. And so, with everything geopolitically that is going on right now, and with all the conflicts that are going on right now, with the tenuous relationship with say um, Saudi Arabia right now, I mean. We need to be careful with our strategic oil reserves. And it's not only that, it's just that the U.S. produces mostly light, sweet crude oil, right? And that's really, you can only produce gasoline from that barrel, that's what comes out of it. So we need heavier crude in order to produce the distillates that we need, (laughs) like diesel, jet fuel, kerosene, et cetera, right? (laughs) And we've been draining the SPR of, Mostly heavy crude oil, the kind we don't produce. And this is where it becomes a significant problem that people see. A
2: lot of people don't know that. That's brilliant.
1: Right. And so this is where it becomes a significant problem because, you know, we mostly get our heavier crude oil from Canada, um, which we, we all know the problems there. Keystone was canceled, et cetera, et cetera. We get some from Mexico, um, but their production is not looking that great. Um, we used to get some from uh, Russia, but it was like it was like thick sludgy, thick sludgy oil. But at least it was something that we could mix. Now you know we have a Russian oil embargo. That's fine. So that's six hundred thousand barrels per day. That, that's off the market right now. And so we have a serious problem with heavier crude oil and trying to get that. And, and that's what we're draining from the SPR. And so this this is a problem that people okay. don't realize.
0: So so tell me this. Do you like when you we're talking now let's break it into the price of crude crude market. So it sounds to me like you're saying hundred dollars crude, right? What time frame? What what are you thinking?
1: I think eventually I, I think we could see that again. Of course, we did see that earlier in the year with a uh war premium, you know, in February when there was an invasion. We did see that that did come off some. Um, but I think as soon as, you know, and we are already starting to see these SPR releases dwindle, right? You know, we went from like eight million barrels a week to 3.6 million. And that's gonna taper off unless they issue a whole nother slew of uh, of releases. And so I think that, and then we also have to look at the fact that December 5th, we have the EU oil and product embargo. And that's actually going to exacerbate the diesel problem even more because uh, EU actually,
0: Can you explain what the EU embargo is on December 5th? Like, I don't Um,
1: know. So on December 5th, there's an EU embargo not on natural gas because they still do get some natural gas, um, but it is on oil and oil products. From Russia. From Russia. And so what that entails is that mostly the products that they buy is is diesel (laughs) from, from, from Russia. And so that's going to put a crunch on the diesel problem even more because diesel problem mostly exists in the West. I mean, you know, It's mostly Europe and the United States right now. And so we have to look um, at, to see how this embargo really starts a- a- affecting um, the, the global market. I mean, okay. I, don't, I don't think it's gonna totally take barrels off the market, right? They're gonna find, Russia's gonna find other markets, India, China, um, even Japan, which is a member of the G7 still is buying from Russia and said they still will continue to buy from Russia. And so it's not a it's, you know, this decision is not a global decision. Everybody has to kind of remember that is when we're talking about global oil flows is that not everybody has an embargo.
2: Okay, Emerging so no but- barrels of Russian crude oil have been off the market yet, right? Almost none.
1: Almost none, and I and I kind of said that at, at the very beginning when this happened, and we, you had a lot of uh, other firms coming out and saying three to four million barrels are going to be taken off the market immediately, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, there's no way because there's other buyers. You know, if you look to India or whatever, you know, India uh, no, oil prices are so high right now. Anybody, any emerging market right now wants to buy at a discount. And when that first happened, I mean, Russian oil was at a $30 discount to Brent. Who wouldn't buy that, right? Because you're suffering. And, it you, also for have
2: the a, SBR.
1: and you also have a dollar, the dollar, you know, exploding. That means your currency is worth and you're having to buy oil in dollars. And so it was especially tough on uh, emerging markets when all that happened. So of course, They're going to buy oil because India even said as late as COP27, you know, we're still going to buy from Russia because we're more concerned about our energy security than what the United States is.
0: It's another one of those things where it just sounds good. We'll embargo embargo Russian oil. Yeah, but a lot of people are going to suffer. It's absolutely fascinating. Let's change this real quick to the CPI number that came out yesterday. Because I've been talking, and Bobby will verify this. I thought the inflation numbers were going to roll over. You know, global shipping rates coming down, lots of key commodities coming down, except for one: but crude and diesel and gasoline. So when you look at the commodity picture in general, there's everything: there's lumber, there's copper, there's oh, but then there's crude, crude and crude basically makes up about probably 20 to 30 percent of the whole commodity picture when you're talking about the cost of everything it dwarfs the importance of any other commodity that's correct right
1: well absolutely you can't do anything without oil right Right. you can't manufacture anything you can't uh, dig for metals you can't you can't do anything without crude It, it makes the world you know without energy you can't do anything with any any other commodity you can't you can't farm you can't you know, right? of course.
0: So not the fairy unicorn dust or whatever the hell the, the administration is trying to get us to use that. That doesn't work is what we're saying because I'm I'm shocked and frankly, I'm offended. I know. <laughs> right. It's weird.
1: I know it's weird. it's weird. But we need a lot of fossil fuels if you want to get your EVs and your EV batteries and your EV metals and et cetera. You know,
0: Yeah, of course. So let's talk about that. Then let's branch into a, about a month ago. I gave a speech at the New Orleans Investment Conference and the whole punch of it was, and Bobby, you know I'm going to keep patting myself on the back for this shit too. I and it is going, wasn't going to say Christ. it this week. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, so I'll nice. Take the words right out of your mouth. Tracy's so nice, there. I
2: wasn't going to actually say <laughs> it. You're going to bring that <laughs> shit up again?
0: <laughs> hey, okay, but, I, but I'm right and getting righter. The copper market was stretched. They talk about their decarbonization of the future. There's no decarbonization that happens without copper and we're already at copper deficits. We already have, the environmentalists so badly wanting everything EV, but so badly wanting no more extraction anywhere, including around the world. You study copper markets as well, I assume. Give me your take. Walk us through what you think of copper for the next six months, year, five years.
1: Well, that's the problem. I mean, I, Longer term, obviously, it, it's a buy. First of all, we're already in a market deficit. It's ridiculous. Even China, China, who...
2: <laughs> just lies,
1: China lies about <laughs> lies about I love how she said it disgustedly, like it's like oh, China. <laughs> well, because, you know, I mean, first of all, there's two factors of this. First of all, China's inventories are way down, right? And they've actually admitted that, which is odd because earlier this year, they just got caught lying about their inventories. And a bunch of firms got shut down because they were over exaggerating, you know, um, their inventories and people obviously were hedged on that, um, et cetera, et cetera. and it was a whole big thing. So now they're back to admitting their inventories are at the lowest they've been in the last ten years. <laughs> um, and they're looking to, you know, they want to invest more in in uh, those metals likely going to Africa. I'm sure because yeah. that's what they do. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> and we have LME inventories down. We have Comex inventories down. I mean, we have. We just don't have enough. And in fact, even if we every mine produced that we have now at the max capacity, we still wouldn't have enough. We need. 20 more mines, the size of that, just to get us to 2035, which we don't have because there's the 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 mining industry suffers the same problem that the oil industry does. Is the last seven years there's been no capex. Exactly. And a lot of
2: mining equipment, Jimmy, runs on solar and wind, just so you know. I mean, oh, it's all the time. That's
0: what they
1: do.
2: Right. Yes. So
0: you course, can easily
2: that. build electric cars by powering it with copper drilled from solar. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here.
0: No, but Bobby, I want to ask a question, but I did want to tell because people who, who view this podcast and people who see me on Twitter know that the copper things that drum up and beat for a month. A I have We've been talking about the, that for
2: a long, long time.
0: Yeah. And I, over the last couple of weeks, I have been systematically increasing my position in copper. I, again, I don't even think of this as a trade necessarily, and I haven't done it in futures yet. I, I think of this as more like this is something I want to have, you know, 5% of my dough in for the next five to 10 years, maybe even more than that. But Bobby, what, you got a question? Yeah.
2: I do. I wonder if Tracy could explain something to people, which I don't think is, uh, hang on, cheers, which I don't think is, uh, clear to a lot of people is why the winter matters so much for diesel. Because uh, the whole distillates thing, distillates right now are 17%, according to the last CIA report, 17% below the five-year average. And I don't think people understand that d- distillates are made, heating oil and diesel are made at the same time for the most part. Um, so if there's a bigger demand for heating oil, there's a bigger demand for diesel. Plus, I worked at, Tracy, I worked at a, a boutique oil firm in Chicago for about four years doing uh, geopolitical strategy and hedging strategies for them in the energy markets. And one of the things I learned there, which I always love to bring up because it's something that Jimmy doesn't know. And I think that's amazing. That makes me really happy when I'm smarter than Jim.
1: (laughs) Is the speed (laughs) crude
2: oil goes through a pipeline. Even though we don't have pipe, you can't increase the speed even if we had more pipes. So I remember we had had a, a barge of crude oil up near Canada and we were trying to get rail cars and there were no rail cars available. And I said to the CEO at the time, because I didn't know, I said, can we just like commission a rail car? He goes, it's like 18 months and millions of dollars to build them. You just can't because of the EPA regulations. Right. So these people don't, you know, you mentioned that crude oils and everything. I don't think people realize how important diesel specifically is and the mix with heating oil.
1: Oh, absolutely. It runs the economy. How do you get, how do you get freight to move, right? How do you get, um your shit from Amazon every day. Well, you just swore on our podcast. How dare you? Oh my god. <laughs> sorry. I said <laughs> I might do that. It was
2: an act we will not <laughs> fucking bleep that out just so you know.
1: God damn it, Tracy. But anyway. But I mean really diesel is the heartbeat of the economy. How do you get anything? It's basically moved by trucking or freight or container ships, whatever that basically use uh, obviously vessels use um you know, marine oil and whatever, but it's it's, it's a derivative of, it's a, it's a distillate. It's a
2: distillate, right? right. Really so distillate that's how, how
1: you get everything, right? How are you gonna get your stuff from China moved to the US on a vessel that's using, you know, marine fuel oil, right? Or how are you gonna get that off the dock and to you, off the dock in LA and to you in New York? A truck.
2: <laughs> I have an I have Did an environmentalist. What? I have an environmentalist friend, and I don't use "environmentalist" as a dirty word. Jimmy's one, his daughter's one, but I don't use that as a dirty word. But I have an environmentalist friend who I told him. I said, "You realize crude oil, specifically from areas of north and northwest and, and other places, are being moved in trucks because the Keystone was killed. They're being moved in trucks that burn diesel down to refineries." So it's like they're they're burning the fuel, they're driving the derivative or the the origin of that fuel down to make, because we don't have a pipeline.
1: I know.
0: Uh, it just is actually
1: I've, more I've, dangerous if you think about it. Rail and trucking is actually a more dangerous way to move that kind of fuel. Clearly. right? how many train accidents do you see?
2: How many uh, yeah. pipelines? A lot head-on collisions. It's
1: it's
0: amazing. And and Tracy, to his point, my daughter's studying. She's getting her uh, master's in environmental engineering at Stanford right now. She worked in the business. She was an Illinois engineer. And um, I I argue with her all the time because I believe that if you look at the environment, the most damage ever done to the environment was clearly industrialists, number one. Following second to me is environmentalists who've done some bullshit things in the name of good over the years, and this is one of the things, like you just said, like, okay, they stopped the pipeline, and they never for one second think about what the ramifications of those things are, unintended consequences. We all do that. But let's talk about the CPI number from yesterday, and this is going to be a question for both you guys. I thought it was a big deal. I thought we were going to see inflation rolling over. The only wild card I thought was energy, and I think it still exists, and I think the stock market, I think the whole bear thing is over. Technically, that makes sense to me, too, with a new weekly high, and I assume we're settling there. Uh, We're taping this, by the way. This is actually 3.05 on Friday when I'm saying this right now. Do you think the episode of inflation is over? Um, Do you think the supply chain is healing slowly and gently? Tracy, you first.
1: Oh, man. Um, I I think inflation is still going to be sticky because I still think that we're going to have problems in the metals market because I think – Looking out to 2023, remember how energy was kind of the big deal this year? I think 2023, it's going to be metals and we're going to see prices rise because my copper trade. <laughs> because because you know the West is sticking with these plans, you know, these uh environmental plans. We're not getting away from EVs or whatever. They don't really care what happens. Every government is kind of pushing forward this. We don't have enough metal, So I think 2023 is gonna be like, it was based on industrial metal kind of of trade just like this year uh, energy was. So I think inflation is gonna be sticky. What I really would look at and what I'm looking at closely is US dollar, right? Because we've seen that pull back a lot. We saw that Thursday, we had a puke from like 110 to 1 107. I think a lot of people got stopped out when that broke, kind of the support area. I think people got scared, and I think that you know we saw a big uh, pullback again today. And I think that's because you know people exiting out of the markets. I think FTX thing might have something to do with it. I don't really know the mechanics of how the crypto markets work, but. I know that USD is involved in there somehow. So I think part part of that, there's some part of liquidation there, Um, you know, and as well, you know, um, when the FTX thing happened in general, we saw the broader, we saw a lot of deleveraging because we saw big guys like, you know, BlackRock, and uh, SoftBank and um, Ontario Pension Fund and Tiger Global, all these big guys that were exposed to the market. You know, when that news kind of hit earlier in the week, we saw a big dive in the markets because we saw some deleveraging. And then um, I think when we had that CPI release, in the market, you know, ripped hundred (laughs) points. I think some people got caught off sides a little bit. You think I before podcast, <laughs> Bobby
0: because I want I want you to answer too, but I want to underscore two things that Tracy just said. She casually mentioned the fact that governments around the world don't care that they're driving up energy prices. They genuinely don't give a shit. And then she mentioned the Sam Bankman feed thing and, and BlackRock and whatever. I don't give a shit when a fool and their money part. I mean, I think there's a beauty to it. The only thing I like about rates being what I think are potentially too high is that you pull back the wallpaper and see where the holes in the wall are. You see who the morons on. And if Tom, if Tom Brady lost $655 million, like is being portrayed, I, I've enjoyed watching him play football, but I, I don't give a crap. A fool and his money are soon to part. Have I said anything bad, Bob, or no?
2: No, and, and honestly, like, one of the things about Jimmy, Tracy, I don't know if you know this, but he's very consistent. I mean, he's always
1: yes, he is. He is. He's
2: very he enjoys others' pain. he's, he's been. Clear I do not. About that's that.
0: not true. Be clear about is.
2: that. Um, no, look from a perspective of, of inflation, um, you know, one one of the members we do these daily webinars for our members uh, at Path Trading Partners that we have, and one of our members, literally for the last eight months, has been saying uh, pause is guaranteed, a pivot is guaranteed with the Fed. Right, he's just a, he's a permeable. And, you know, I said to him the other day, I said, it's like saying snow is guaranteed in Chicago. It's like 70 something in Chicago right now. And I'm like, the guy's like snow is guaranteed tomorrow. Snow is guaranteed tomorrow. Keep saying it. The Fed wasn't going to raise rates, not only at 75 basis points, but at all into infinity. They were obviously at some point going to pause. What I think people don't understand to me about inflation is it's always going up. It's an index. When you look at the CPI, pull up a, a maximum CPI at the Fred website, St. Louis Fed website, it's this. It is straight up the whole time. There's a dip for each recession, and then it's straight up. And there's a difference between disinflation and deflation. Disinflation is what we saw in the last set of numbers, right? A reduction of the increase in prices at rate. What we don't actually want to see is deflation, because that then gets, it's just like, yeah, I'm doing one of those things, Tracy at Jim says, I always do. But, you know, if we have deflation, it's similar to like when we all saw big screen TVs at $12,000 each, ah, they'll come down. Then they came down to 8,000 and we're like, they might come down a little more and you don't spend. That's deflation. So people actually pull back during deflation and they don't spend. It's a horrible economic condition. My issue is this. We had commodities, including crude oil drop, Right. In this past CPI number, you know what actually increased? Services.
1: Services, Services
2: yeah. Went from 3.8 last month to 3.9 this month. What is one of the stickiest part of inflation?
0: Services. Services. Services.
2: services. So what happens if crude oil starts creeping up, which it's been doing? What happens if your copper trade is right earlier than you think and it starts going up? It now joins with services inflation and we see that in those inflation numbers come right back up. My issue is, does the Fed see year-over-year year inflation at 4.5% as a victory? Do we see it as a victory? Before before
0: I pass that to Tracy, I will add that the rents are going to plummet. I will add that supposedly 49% of restaurants are late on rent payments right now, 35% of small businesses in general. I do think there's two sides of this equation. Ch- Tracy, take a look at that. Oh No,
1: no, I absolutely agree with you. And that's what I meant about kind of sticky inflation, where we're going to see stagflation, even though everybody hates the word stagflation, but we're going to see inflation higher in certain areas. It's just a fact, as we see with higher rates, as we see demand destruction in other areas, such as um, housing and rents. Etc. Right? The weird, the, the anomaly that services is is that we still have pent up demand, which is crazy. Yeah, crazy. From from you know COVID lockdowns. I mean, there's literally. I mean, looking out into H one of 2023. I mean, cruise lines are booked. People are still traveling. Airline. I mean, it's 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 nuts even
2: yeah, though people so have
0: money I want to spend
2: it can i add something to that jim please So what tracy just said so stagflation and, and jimmy and I. you know i've been talking about this and you've agreed with me by the way i don't think any fed governor wants to go down as the fed governor that lost in the fight to inflation and stagflation is a worse economic condition than inflation or recession if we get to a point of stagflation which your your comment jimmy struck me about the small business being laid on their rent do rents plummet, they catch up or do rents plummet because they close? I, I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I think that number is going to go down in part because businesses will close and now we're in stagflation and how do you get out of that? So I think we've had 10 years of zero interest rates, right? Why do people think we can't have five, six years, 6%, 5%? Because
0: I don't think so because I believe, it, 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 Tracy, I have a restaurant too, by the way, Brant's Palatine. So I'm plugged into the restaurant business too. I fully believe that our economy completely collapses if rents are too high for too long. And things have changed over the last 20, 25, 30 years is that overregulation, almost punitive taxation had to be accompanied by inorganically low rates or else the house of cards falls in. There is nobody who's lined up to decrease regulation and uh, you know open up lines of, of trade like Reagan was I think that rates have to come back down. Tracy, thoughts?
1: Well, I think that I think eventually rates will have to come back down. What I think is more important is that I think the Fed is going to have to move their 2% um, goal, really, to start to accept 4%. That That might be
2: sort of, I think that's the middle ground that Jim and I don't have right now, because they can't get to 2%, not unless they no, leave.
0: I might not be disagreeing with you. That's a work in progress in my head. That might be yeah, too. I, the thing that always strikes me about the inflation argument too, is that the psychology of it, like people like inflation's not going away. And what they really mean is those high prices aren't going away. Yeah. And like you said before, you know those prices aren't gonna come back down, nor should we necessarily want them to come back down. Maybe some of the broth being knocked out a little bit too. Tracy, towards like this show, we break up, you're on for sure. the the macro guest is on. We talk and then we break into trades using uh, CME products. We want, I want you to stay on, particularly if you're going to call one of us an idiot um, when we give our trades out, because we like that kind of talk. Will you stay with us or you can right. go too if you want?
1: I'll stay on for the trade portion. Let's do it.
0: Good, good. Bobby, can I go for it with my trade? <laughs> yeah, portion please, first? I'm I'm only going to
2: recap a trade. So you go ahead.
1: Can I get well, my trade like, oh. back up first?
2: <laughs> <laughs> get your drink um, in the picture.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh, by the way, my two trades from last week was one was the long gold. One was the short 10 year yield contracts. Both of them are working beautifully. Um, These trades are going to be similar right now. My theme is not changing. We never talked about silver in this. And I think silver is an interesting trade right now. Um, I'm looking. And again, I'm I'm not going to be putting this on the futures. And everybody who follows me knows why I'm uncomfortably long silver in some other trades. But a, a trade back down to 2120 when I was mapping this out a couple hours ago. I think it rallied hard into the close. So this might not even ever happen. But a pullback to 2120, so spot to buy the micro uh, micro December silver contract, CME, with a target of 2280 on the upside and a stop placed below 2025. This is, uh, and placed at 2025. This is the stop level. Like at first, I thought 20 was the level. 21 to me seemed the level, but when it took it out, a um, settle above it, Seemed very bullish technically to me. This trade, if you take it up to the target, make 1,600 bucks on the micro for one contract. If you take it down and get stopped out, it's 950. By the way, the micro silver contract is still kind of big. It's only one fifth of the main contract. It's 1,000 ounces. Um, thoughts on it, Tracy? Silver
1: uh, On silver? Okay. I actually, um, I actually got long um, SLV calls um, December 16th at 22
0: last month oh so, good I kind of
1: like what, what's
0: the duration what's the, when do the calls expire
1: uh december
0: oh okay oh the december calls you said that okay i, I forgot my <laughs> december month calls. Yeah. okay <laughs> i thought you got long in december i was like with that last
1: 22 expire <laughs> expiry is december
0: okay so that's means i, you- so I
1: did get that yes. so I, I i was already kind of you know because it, When we're talking about silver, is that not only is it a precious metal, but it also has um, uh, industrial applications. So if we're looking at solar panels and windmills and things like that, there's a a lot of those metals in that. So it's kind of one of those uh, cross metals, even though it's been beaten up forever. (laughs) But I think it will gain more and more importance as we're looking to expand solar capacity, et cetera, et cetera, because new solar, New solar panels actually require twice the amount of silver that solar panels did just 10 years ago. So. Wow.
0: See, I'm so glad you're on the show. Thank you for this, brother. And Bob, before you comment to I want you to throw in the fact that, because I do want the opinion of both of you, the fact that crypto has been absolutely caned, absolutely pummeled, is that going to be put a shot in the arm of, of uh, precious metals as well, Robert?
2: I say yes. Uh, First of all, I I think we saw that. We actually saw on the risk asset sell-off a couple of days ago that gold held in better than anything when crypto was absolutely getting crushed on the first news of the FTX problem. And now we've got Tether kind of breaking. If you know anything about crypto, and I've been saying for a while, both here and on my TV appearances, that I need Tether to clear out before I get any crypto uh, exposure again. And I need to see how that plays out and clears out and tether seems to be breaking but anyway when we had sort of that fear in the market on the on the crypto situation gold was actually positive during that af- at risk asset sell-off for the longest period of time of any of the assets on that day i love your silver trade i love it because we have two consecutive um uh, closes now above the 200, two consecutive daily closes above the 200. And today pulled back below the 200. And even though it, c- it closed lower than Silver's open, it still closed above that 200. Now, the 200 is very flat right now, but it's still the 200. You know, it's one of those things. It's like when Walter Payton was really old, he was still Walter Payton. You know, you still yeah. had to be careful. So that's how I feel about the 200 day moving average. So I like this trade a lot. I don't think you got it. Um, your entry was 20. 2120.
0: It was, it was 2120. I'm not going to get it out.
2: 2135 was is the lowest. I mean, we're closed basically. So, yeah,
0: whatever. I but still if, got a lot yeah, of silver.
2: Jimmy, your setup of a pullback is perfect for where you put it. I like to trade a lot.
0: Bobby, but before we go into the, my next trade, you want to go into your crude? Recap yeah. So, two by, weeks by the way, I will now. add something real quick. I'm sitting here and there's some guy walking around on my roof. And now I've just decided I think he's cleaning my gutters, but I really should know what the hell is going around this house. I was freaked out for a second there
2: so anybody that different. knows you knows you know you're like five feet around you and your wife handles the rest everybody
0: and, and the rest one time I posted a picture of my back lawn and someone like was like wow what a great yard you have how do you keep it looking so good I'm like I, I don't know how, how do lawns work like who cuts grass and stuff I don't, I don't know how that works <laughs> so but anyway Bobby
2: yeah so two weeks ago um I, I wasn't on the podcast last week and I don't have a fresh trade for this week only because I've been dealing with some personal issues that I told you guys earlier. But um, I bought crude oil. Uh, I bought the crude oil futures contract and I bought it at about 85.70. Okay. Uh, my stop was at 80.54. This is micro crude. Again, I would not have done this trade had I not been able to do it in micro crude because in full crude, it would have been too much risk. Right, it would have been 5700 or so approximately of risk per contract which is just it's out of what I allot to crude but having said that my stops at 80.54 we didn't get anywhere near there uh lowest level we got on the pullback was like 84.70 and now we're moving back my way uh but my target is 96.44 now i first the trade itself tracy and jim and then my sort of overall thesis. My overall thesis is actually sixty-five dollars before a hundred and five. Now, this is probably be the last week that I say that because it's just <laughs> to me the dynamic has been changing. I said that about a month ago. I stuck with it because not. It I didn't put a floor. I
1: didn't put a floor under it. It's seventy. So yeah, that- <laughs> I
2: know. I know that, but he's so. I almost said he's so dumb. I would have meant it. Um, He's so... uh, uh, I'm so so glad you did. What do I want to say? (laughs) What I'm trying to say is like his floor won't work. Anyway, I I was actually encouraged for my original thesis by a lot of the comments on the OPEC Plus members this week. Um, Some of the conversations they're having with their Asian clients, prices are too high, blah, blah, blah. They might add more production. I don't think that'll happen. But my current trade is for a 96.44 target. Before an eighty dollar and fifty some odd cents stop. If we get into the uh, mid, if we get into the low nineties, I'll move that stop up. What do you guys think? I'm still in it, so. I, I, I like it, it.
1: Tracy. Uh, I like it. I have uh, September twenty twenty three
2: hundred dollar calls. One hundred dollar calls with
1: twenty three hundred dollar calls. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: She bought 20 of never the $300. They can't dead. be that
0: expensive. We're
1: out dead and we're never driving again. They
0: can't be that expensive.
1: <laughs> oh my so, no. so September, I, uh,
0: so you got like five, September, or five today, months. September
1: 23, you
0: 23.
1: Yeah. <laughs> $100.
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> you guys, Good. Yeah. I agree with Tracy. I, I, well, actually, Bobby, you now too. But when you used, were saying 65, I don't know. It seemed to me that um, there was just too much lined up against it. So I like the trade a lot. But again, I'm liking every trade right now that favors weaker dollar, a Fed that might be backing off a little bit. That's going to be my next trade as well, but I'm not going to get to see it. And by the way, for those of you guys who watch the show, a lot of times I play upside in uh, the stock market with those imbalanced call flies, like a 70-tick wide call versus a 40-tick wide call. And I love those trades, and I think I'm smarter than everybody. And I hate the fact that they don't perform well when we just absolutely shoot higher, like we have in the last two days. And I'm making money, making money, then losing money, losing money. I'm like, wait, I'm no genius. This is idiotic. And then I have to rebalance it. And that's happened to me on several of these trades the last couple of days. Now, that being said, I'm a bull of the stock market now. I set a, a close, a, a weekly close above 38.25, and then a follow through on a weekly. We've gotten it this week. Um, I'm a bull. I think the I, again, I think the bear market is over. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you're making this big, huge call. No, I don't bet the whole farm on it. You guys are, I mean, we're risk mitigation people. We're not Sam Bankman, whatever the hell his name is. We don't put everything in one pocket. So I think the bear market is over. I think at a pullback to 39.40, which at the time I was writing this out, I thought it was going to get, it also doesn't seem like it's going to happen if the market continued rallying as we started this show, which looked like it was going to. pull back to 39.40 was a spot to buy it with a target of 41. Ten, and then a stop out place back below 3840. So I guess we're just talking theoreticals here about the direction of the short term because it's not, the actual trade's not gonna happen. Tracy, do you like upside in the stocks?
1: I, I like upside again, you know, um, I'm at 4106. I think you could, you could possibly see before we see a meaningful pullback in this market that's
0: your level that's your level that you have my on, level 40 is 4106 to watch if we start, there was a moment i was if terrified we start moving above saying,
1: if we okay. start moving above that i get scared okay <laughs> then I, well, think I thought you meant that, we, that was last trade for a
0: second i haven't been watching my computer for 45 minutes like what'd you say 4106 that's where we're at right now no we're not
1: no, okay good. No, that's the level i'm watching. Perfect. <laughs> if we get higher i mean we could shit the bed tomorrow of course yeah we, Right, but that's, you know, that's like the 200 day. If we start moving above that, then we break that sort of, uh, you know, wedge, that downtrend wedge technically speaking.
2: Robert. So I like to trade in the short term. I said at the end of September, I thought the fourth quarter was going to be positive. So bold of a call considering how weak the third quarter was, right? I mean, just brave, brave, brave. (laughs) But I, I agree with Tracy that I think we might I'm a little nicer than her and we might poo-poo the bed. Um, (laughs) My my thing is this. I think that, so obviously Jimmy's talking about a short-term trade because if he thinks the bull market is over, he wouldn't be targeting only a few points from here, right? He'd be targeting new all-time highs. But I think that the fourth quarter is going to continue to have strength because A, I think people think they understand what the Fed is going to do and they've accepted it. And so that's theory. It's moment from a momentum perspective priced in. And we've gotten our first uh, reasonably weak inflation indicator. Even though all the Fed speakers are saying this is not a pause, they'll likely slow the rate of rate increases. Right. I I believe this is the long road to I like this trade, Jim. So I'll just stop. I I think the first (laughs) quarter of next year and the second quarter of next year are going to be really, really hard for the stock market because okay. now we're, we're shifting from what's the Fed gonna do to rates to how the hell are we getting out of this recession? That's what we're gonna be shifting to next year. Now, stock markets do rally during recessions, but they don't rally during stagflation. That's the kicker. So if we can't get inflation under control,
0: not good for equities. Tracy, last word on the markets?
1: Yeah, no, I also think that you have to look at the last quarter of the year, all these portfolio managers, haven't made money all year, right? They're coming up like what uh, November? What is it sixteenth or the twenty-first? Forget the date where they figure out whether they have clients or not left. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I think I, I think that you know they're doing whatever they can to help push up the market. That's all I'm saying.
0: Got it. Okay, so it's it.
1: Friday. What city do you live in now, Tracy? I am in Fort Lauderdale.
0: Are you really you lucky, bastard? What what is a Friday night for? Tra- like, a, is there a favorite bar you go to? Uh, what yeah. are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to my beach bar and like kind of just chill. Wash so the ocean. Fun. I mean, the the, hur- the mini hurricane is over. So you Fantastic. know, it's nice and sunny today. So. Jimmy, is, what that, you,
2: what, hmm? is that little beach with the duck boats in Arlington Heights near 355 open for you or not?
0: The, that Lake Arlington, the little right? Lake
2: Arlington <laughs> duck boat beach is that open
0: yeah. for you?
1: By the
0: way, yeah, what I was gonna say, we can bash struggle all we want. There's some fabulous beaches, they're just not fabulous now. And by the way, it was 75 yesterday, but it's gonna be like 35 today. So, Oak, uh, Street, I think,
1: Oak Street Beach, you can go to the it's beach. great, fantastic.
0: Okay, what's our uh, last question, what are you gonna drink? You walk up to the bar tonight, what's your first
1: drink? Uh, uh, wine. I'll have
0: a, uh, I like wine. Yes, I'm sad. Can't lose. something can club, I recommend something cold and white?
2: out of Moldova? Putin hasn't invaded here yet, so get this
0: one. <laughs> was that from the convenience store in the hotel or no?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's, we had this at the house. We buy all the half bottles of wine we can, so that when we drink seven of these, we'll be like, it was only a half bottle. It was only a really half drink.
0: bottle, yeah. yeah. Man, we're good. All right, I'm leaving. I'm going to take a nap and then I'm going to go to my bar because I just got a text that we're down employees tonight. So I'll That's be hosting. Weird. That so never had. Yeah, we're down employees. Enough. Thank you guys.
1: This was so much fun.
0: Thank you, Tracy. Tracy thanks thank for, you so uh, much. Thanks for putting up with us. Appreciate it very much. Have a great night, you guys. Thanks. Cheers.